do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This episode of the Live Free with UND podcast is brought to you by Vertex. Managing your own diabetes is tough enough, but what happens when you're managing your own diabetes and that of your three-year-old daughter? Life all of a sudden gets very challenging. Welcome to the Live Free with UND podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And on this episode of the podcast, I coach Fallon. Fallon's been living with diabetes since she was 14. And just recently, her three-year-old daughter was diagnosed as well. And this has caused her to have to rethink her own diabetes management and how she thinks about diabetes management as she works with her daughter to help her adjust to life with diabetes and live a full and flexible life. There's lots of laughter and tears in this episode, and I think you'll find it both thought-provoking and heartwarming. Alan, great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mark. I'm glad to be here. So you have a story that I want the, our listeners to, to hear. You have diabetes, and recently you have a child who's diagnosed with diabetes, and that has brought up a lot of things for you and for her and trying to figure out your new life, both your own diabetes and also hers. So I want to hear about, first of all, your life with diabetes, um, a little bit about you, and then about her diagnosis in the past couple of months, um, now having a three-year-old who has diabetes in the house as well. Yeah. So. I was diagnosed, it'll be almost 27 years in December. I was 14, um, had all the classic symptoms and you know, just been living life with type 1 diabetes, doing all the things. And um, about four months ago, well, May 30th, my fourth child, she's three and a half. She, we were on vacation. It was Memorial Day weekend. Um, she just, she wasn't herself. She was really having all the symptoms. And I knew it deep down in my mother's gut that she had type 1 diabetes. This is what was going on. My husband didn't want to believe it, think it was true. It's like, there's no way. And I'm like, she's she has it 100%. She has it. Um, looking back now, like, you know, March, April, leading up to it, she was displaying some of the symptoms that a lot of people just overlook. Like, we just overlooked it thinking she's a three-year-old. She's maybe thinning out. She's losing the weight. She's just going through the terrible threes with her attitude and moodiness and all the things. But now looking back, she really wasn't feeling good. Like every morning she would cry. I don't want to go to school. I don't feel good. Um, 
you know, just having accidents here and there, just not herself, but really the week before her diagnosis is when everything was really pronounced, the extreme thirst, the urination, moodiness, just not wanting to, you know, we were at the, we were on a lake, um, um, swimming, you know, all the things she would usually want to do. She would just kind of sit back and chill on the chair. Um, so yeah, we, I tested her blood sugar before we were heading home from our trip and her blood sugar was 553 and my heart sank. I felt like I couldn't breathe and we drove home and went to the hospital. So that's been the last almost, we're coming up on four months here. So she's, you know, she's adapting. (laughs) Yeah. And how are you doing um, the process? How are you doing in the process of all of this? It must be, it's it's one thing to have a child diagnosed. Not knowing knowing anything about diabetes and kind of been thrown in the deep end. And it's a whole different story and neither good nor bad or better to have a child diagnosed when you are living it yourself and you, you know what to do, but you also know what is going to happen next or what could happen. And just with just life, everyday life. Right. What's that process been for you? I was, yeah, I mean, my whole thing is like, I know what her life's going to be like. I know the daily struggles. Yeah. And that's what's, you know, hitting me. Like, it's not just take your insulin, you know, take your insulin, eat healthy. It's nonstop 24 seven. And, you know, I think for me, I've, I've lived a healthy, wonderful life. Um, you know, having four kids, being active, running marathons, um, I've just taken it on. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've displayed that, yes, you can do anything. Nothing should hold you back. But at the same time now, raising a child, like, but I want people to know the struggles with this, you know, <laughs> the the mm-hmm. low blood sugars in the middle of the night. The, she's at preschool and the school texting me all day long. You know, she's eating this. How much insulin does she need? Like, it's not a stop. Um, but I feel like I'm displaying to not only the people, you know, who follow me on social media, but also my, my other kids and my husbands that I got this, you know, like, this is fine. We got this. When there's so much that goes into it, you know, my thoughts are like, God forbid, what if something were to happen to me? Do they know who her doctor is? Do they know what pharmacy we use? Like all the things like I'm, it's laying on me. I'm thinking of all these things and (laughs) I feel like I need to kind of open it up, you know, more to, yes, to my husband and my other kids. I mean, they're amazing. They've done shots with her. They've pricked her finger when they need, um, but I feel like I'm like, yes, we're okay. We got this. But at the end of the day, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I can be able to emotional. Yeah. <laughs> and, and seeing that those two things can exist together, that it, it that something can be a pain in the butt. It can be really, really hard. And that you also got it all at the same time. And I think that sometimes we get in this mindset of, you know, I have to pretend like it's easy in order to get it or in order to have it taken care of. 
And the reality is, is that the strength that you have doesn't come from the fact that you are faking it or that you're, that nothing is, is hard for you. It is that it's hard and you also are able to handle it. You're able to ride that wave. And that's really the important thing. You know, I know you're concerned, you, you have concerns about her, you know, being able to live a fulfilled life, but you've been able to do that at the same time and be able to, you know, have those concerns, but also empower her to, to be okay. Because we, I think that we, 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 we see, we get in this mindset that, you know, it's 24 seven, it's hard, it's, it's all the time, but also I got this and I, and I can do it. And I think that keeping that in mind for yourself and for her is, is extremely important. How has, um, how has her her diagnosis? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, I think me being strong and positive, it's only going to roll over onto her, you know, the positivity and, you know, if we have a bad day with blood sugars, tomorrow's a new day, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you want to eat this, you know, it raises your blood sugar. We'll do insulin and we'll figure the dosage out, you know, (laughs) like just, we're going to roll with this. We're going to do it, not getting upset and freaking out. Um, I think it just will set her up for success. And I think that's why she's really just adapted um, the best she can as a three and a half year old. You know, she's not going to remember life any different. Um, I can barely remember what life was like before her diagnosis and mine. <laughs> it's a blur. Um, but yeah, you mentioned before we got on today, before we started the recording that you've had to relearn a lot of your own diabetes management, your own assumptions, your own, and also check your own opinions about how, treat diabetes treatment since your daughter's diagnosis. And I want to hear about what that's been like for you. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 14. Um, you know, my parents say, you know, we left the hospital and I kind of just took this on myself and I managed myself. Um, now it's different, right? Like a three-year-old, I'm learning things that I never knew. And probably a lot of people with type one don't know, like, for example, and I'm no medical professional. I'm just relaying messages that I've heard from nurses who work in the diabetes field. Um, so for example, my appointments, they end up I end up talking about my daughter. It always falls onto my daughter somehow. But I was saying, for instance, you know, I was showing the nurse her CGM when she was at school and she was 249 and she was shooting up and, you know, I'm showing her the CGM on the phone. And I'm like, look at, I'm like, this is her at school now. Like this is, I'm constantly doing this. And she said, you know what? That's fine. A three-year-old 249, they are about to go outside at school. She's like, I'm fine with that number. Like you're thinking in your head, oh my God, like she's 249 going up. Like I know how I feel when I'm 249 shooting up. But the nurse was telling me that um, under six, until they're six, their vessels and their bodies are so small and soft that a 250 blood sugar doesn't really affect her the same way it affects me. So she's like, when they're younger, like they have a wider range because of that, which I never knew, you know, I'm not working with little kids or had no idea about that. 
But she's like, as she gets older, yes, we'll tighten her range and we don't want her shooting up. But she's right now, like, we're good with that. You know, we don't want a three year old being, let's say, 200, going on a playground, running around, and then come crashing down. So, just like little things like that, I'm learning. Um, Another example is I've noticed this. I typically will treat my blood sugar if I'm, let's say, 55 to 70 range, like on the, you know, low, um, with three or four glucose tablets. And that does the trick for me. With her, I've noticed it shoots her up really high. So the nurse said, you know, she's smaller. She doesn't need, her body doesn't need that much sugar to bring her up. And just, I'm learning so much about her body. You know, every person is different, but things that she's sensitive to, um, you know, maybe she needs more insulin for certain foods. Like I'm kind of having to remove myself to be like, okay, this, she is her own person, her own body. Things that work for me aren't going to work for her. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been interesting and just kind of removing my thoughts and perceptions and opinions on certain things like pumps, for instance, I go back and forth with the pump. I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, but that's, you know, that's the beauty of this disease. You can try different things. You can see what works for you. But with her, you know, the nurse was like, look, you know, be open to it. If she says she doesn't want to do shots and wants a pump, like let's try it. Let's put her on a pump and see how she likes it. Um, so just kind of treating her as her, I mean, she is her own person, but removing her diabetes and my diabetes, separating them, <laughs> we're not the same person. Yeah. And it's, I think that's especially true with blood sugar management. Um, but also you share a, a, a very important bond, knowing knowing what each other are, are feeling like, you know, knowing what, I, I mean, even though her experience of a high blood sugar may not be the same as yours or low blood sugar, but you know, you, you can, ex- you can appreciate the challenges and the, the frustration and the, the daily grind that she experiences. And so, you know, I, I would hope that you're not going to separate that experience and support from, from your, your daughter, but certainly allowing her to, you know, as much as a three and a half year old or four year old can make decisions about how she wants to manage her diabetes and also being flexible in how you're thinking about what is quote unquote good and bad in, with, in terms of blood sugars. Um, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I know I, I talked to lots of parents who are, they, they spend their entire day watching their child's CGM data and are constantly texting them and, you know, in micromanaging and that, that that I, I think that works to calm their anxiety, but it doesn't really help the, their child's diabetes management that much in terms of making sure that they're in range. Because you know, that, those types of uh, blood sugars will come back into range as long as kind of the, the, the basic steps are, are are followed. Maybe not in the time that you want it to, but we also know that intermittent high blood sugars don't have any impact on long term outcomes. It's the long-term high high blood sugars and low blood sugars that really have those those impacts, and so being able to allow exactly. her to live that, live that life and and to listen to the listen to her medical team, who seems like they're a great team, or were yeah. w- w- want her to live that free and flexible life. 
Yeah. And, you know, just talking about CGMs for a second, this is interesting because when I was diagnosed, you know, CGMs weren't around, you know, what they've been around the last 15 years, whatever it may be. So, you know, I've learned, I didn't wear a CGM for a while, you know, where you just, you prick your finger, you kind of trust how your body feels. Um, and now, so she wears a CGM. She has the Libre 3. We both wear the Libre 3. But the first month, she did not have one on. At the hospital, they're like, here's a CGM. Let's put it on her so you guys have it. And, you know, it was intense. You know, the first day we were there, there's nurses, doctors, you know, all these people in the hospital coming in. And she's like, what the heck? Like, we're just driving home from vacation and I'm in the hospital. <laughs> like, what's going on? So it was a lot, you know, my husband was there. He was kind of in shock, you know, and just all the feelings, emotions. And, um, I put the CGM on her and she's hysterical crying. She ripped it off. Um, just did not want it. And, you know, my husband's like, look, like there is no rush here. This isn't going anywhere you didn't have a CGM for how many years? Like, let's let her be. We will deal with this one day at a time. And I mean, it was honestly, I think the best thing we could have done, I think, because, you know, it wasn't forced. And a month later, we were, we took a shower and, you know, we were getting ready for bed and I was about to change my sensor and she sees it and she goes, I want to put that on. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, I want to wear it. No more finger pricks. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and like, she's loves changing her sensor now and she knows and recognizes what it does. But um, just like how you mentioned about parents looking at the CGM so much, that's something else I'm trying not to do because you can get so hooked on this thing and <laughs> It can really affect your day and just staring at it, but just knowing that blood sugars do fluctuate. Um, it just, my point is <laughs> we've come so far, right? With technology and everything, but also at the end of the day, we have to learn how to trust our own body and how it feels. So that's like my worry for other, my child, and then these other kids that, I don't know, maybe they're not paying attention to their body to recognize, you know, they're just relying so much on these devices. Um, but I mean, look, it's a great tool and it's life changing and life saving for so many people. But at the same time, we can't get mentally obsessed with these numbers. Well, and we can get attached to needing to have the tool. And while I know that for people who are new to diabetes, that is a belief that they have. And if I don't have a CGM, something awful is going to happen to me. But the reality is, is that's not true. We have tools, even though they're a little outdated, finger pricks, um, I can't believe I'm saying that, but that we that for many years, you and I both managed diabetes without a CGM. And we did just fine. And, and in, just in, fine. In, in, in many ways, our stress levels were less. Um, certainly the CGMs, I use a CGM and I don't want to stop. However, I know that if I didn't have one, I would be able to, to, to manage. I think it's, and that, that's an important piece of confidence because if we feel like our, our life is dependent on 
this specific tool, then if we lose that, then that's going to be a big challenge and a big stressor for us. Insulin is the, is the one thing that's the the, the kicker here, is because we can't we can't live without insulin. But other than that, we can we we, we can manage our diabetes pretty well with um, without pumps mm-hmm. and without CGM if that's what you choose to do, or if that's what you unfortunately have to do. Um, but I think that that right. flexibility. But the important thing to remember is that flexibility in your mind that you know this is a cool, a great tool that I have and that I can use it if I need it or when I want it, which is most of the time. There may be sometimes when me or my daughter doesn't want to use it, and that's okay too. Uh, and and that gives yeah. us the freedom and flexibility that we need. One last thing yeah. I want to ask I mean, you I about. Definitely before- take, um, I definitely. No, I was just going to say I take breaks you know if if i'm on do for a change i'll take like a day or two and just take a break and learn how just to trust my body how it feels you know it's crazy you know i tell people all the time like insulin was just discovered a hundred years ago right and we are just having like all these technology and tools available to us in the last really what like 15 years and you're seeing just more and more people now like this is what's just, I don't know. It's just mind boggling to me and crazy. Like people that were diagnosed, let's say in the 1950s, maybe they were a young kid, you know, now they're 70, 80 years old and they're fine. They're living, you know, maybe minor, minor nerve complications, something like that, but nothing major like people hear about. Cause I yeah. think just all the treatments and people have been on insulin and it's been a game changer. Yeah, and there's certainly people, some people who do have some major complications, and you know, and the, the, unfortunately, the research doesn't really give us a clear idea why. Certainly, there are some people who get complications who manage IBs really great, and some people who have had really out of range blood sugars for a long, long time and have not gotten complications. And so, um, you know, good blood sugar management is definitely the predictor, but not it's not a guarantee. And that's the important thing to recognize. And that, yes, um, with the new tools and technology, the risk of complications has definitely, definitely gone down. One last thing I want to ask you about quickly before we go, or just mention to you, is that you, it sounds like you feel like you are the so- person in your family who's solely responsible for Macy's care. And if you, you said that if you were to tell me what happened to you, would they know how to get prescriptions and things like that? And I wonder, you know, how can you, and maybe some homework for you is think about how can you help share that burden? Because I know that as a person with diabetes, and as well as a, as a mother, you feel that responsibility. But I, my, my, I'd be willing to bet, and it sounds like from what you said before, this is true, that your husband and your other kids, they want to help and they want to be involved. And I think for you, it's a matter of allowing that to happen and letting go of the identity of the only caregiver. And I think that'd be really helpful, a helpful thing for you in this process, both to have the support to share the the work and the the the, um, the challenges that come with that, um, so that they can they can be a part of it and, and take a little bit of a weight off of your shoulders. Yeah. So when you know my husband has his own business, um, he's busy. You know, usually gone early, <laughs> um, yeah. but you know mornings where he doesn't have to run out the door. If he's here, she only wants him to do her shots. When I mean, on the weekends, you know, it's games with me. She runs around. She, daddy, daddy, I want daddy. Um, mm. And I let him do it. You know, here, she do it. You know, you're here. She wants you to do it. Um, 
And then just another, you know, she's not that she's been attached to me, but, um, I have been leaving her more, you know, I'm, I'm going to run to the store, you know, you got this for an hour, <laughs> like whatever she wants to eat, you know, you know how to figure out the dosage, like just kind of t- keeping her home, <laughs> bringing yeah. her with me, um, for everything. And, um, you know, it's like, luckily knock on wood, we have not had issues with, I think we've had like maybe two nights that she's had some lows like over mm-hmm. and over through the night where I'm like up every few hours. But, um, other than that, I mean, her numbers are great at night, but, um, it's kind of like having a newborn, you know, when you're a mom, like you're the one breastfeeding, you're the one like doing all these things in the night. That's kind of like, I felt like my life has been like that the last few months. And now it's like, okay, you know, she's adjusted. She's, she's doing good. You know, like I can let her stay with other people. And, you know, we had a neighbor babysit the other night. Um, her son actually has type one. So she was comfortable doing shots and just watching her, but, um, just kind of letting myself go a little bit. <laughs> oh, uh, it sounds like you're doing a great job and you're, you're very early into this process. And I think that things will only get better and more empowering, even though there, there will be challenges that you, both you and Macy will, will be doing great. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry this happened to you, but I don't think that she could be in better hands. Yep. I know. <laughs> That's what I just keep thinking too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's hard. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation. I think that the listeners will get a lot out of it. Thanks, Mark, for having me. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use in your life with type 1 diabetes starting right now to become more free and flexible and reduce your stress. And today, your plan of action is this. Look at your assumptions about diabetes and think about whether they're true or not. Sometimes we get so used to diabetes management in our own ways that we can't see outside ourselves. And so taking a moment, reflecting on your own assumptions, how you manage, and if that's how you want to continue, can be helpful. So take five minutes, take out a piece of paper, and start writing. You'll be glad you did. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.